And uh, thank you, Miss Eileen, for that message. Isn't that a blessing? Doesn't that bless your heart to think about uh, what Jesus did for you if you were saved uh, here this evening? Mark chapter 2, would you turn in this section of Scripture with me? Mark chapter 2. We're going to read uh, just a portion of Scripture here tonight. I'd like uh, to have you stand when you find your place uh, so that we can read together. I want to read uh, beginning at verse 23 in Mark chapter 2, and I want to read all the way through chapter 3 and verse number 6, and uh, just a very, uh, we, we covered briefly this morning uh, these two incidences in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, these confrontations concerning the Sabbath. Uh, verse number 23, and it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck ear, the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need, was in hungered, he that, and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days? or to do evil, to save life, or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him." What we're going to do tonight is, is answer some questions about the Sabbath. And I do want to, to just point out, because we have this source available in our bookstore, Sunday or Sabbath, which should Christians observe. This is uh, John R. Rice, and so this is available in our bookstore. And some of the thoughts that we're going to take tonight are actually coming uh, from this little booklet here. And then we're just expanding some thoughts and shortening down some thoughts here and adding some thoughts. And, uh, and so we're going to, to uh, really look at an important aspect or an important thing uh, here in the Word of God. There's a lot of confusion over this very issue that we're going to deal with tonight. And if you've not confronted this or been confronted with this, you will at some point have to face this and deal with this. So we're going to give you biblical answers tonight. So if you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask for the Lord's help this evening. Father, we thank you. Uh, you're so gracious, so good to us, and thank you, Lord, for uh, really already just the wonderful privilege we've had together here tonight. So you've met with us, and Lord, thank you that you left heaven, the glory of heaven, and that we were the reason, Lord, you went to the cross and gave your life that we might be free. And Lord, I, I pray here tonight as we delve into this important topic that, Lord, you would answer questions, that, God, you would teach us tonight, uh, that you would clarify your word. Help us to understand tonight the intent of your word. 
and help us, Lord, to understand the freedom that you give us from the law and the freedom from bondage tonight. And Lord, guide us and glorify yourself, we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this evening. And, and I think uh, if you have dealt with this topic at all or had anybody come to you concerning this topic, there's been a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding about the Sabbath. Uh, there are groups of people that uh, teach and say the Sabbath is the seventh day, and they teach that Christians ought to keep the Sabbath, and they teach that Christians ought to keep the Sabbath as a day of rest, as a day of worship. Uh, there are some that even teach that salvation depends upon keeping the Sabbath. I've run across that on several occasions. Uh, there are some that teach, and if you've never heard this, it's out there. Uh, they teach that the mark of the beast in Revelation chapter 13 is Sunday, or keeping Sunday instead of the Sabbath. Now, that actually does not come from the Bible, as you know. Uh, that actually comes from the teachings of... Uh, I think Mary uh, Eddie Baker or uh, Ellen G. White, and they come from the, the writings of Ellen G. White. And so there are teachings that uh, come contrary to the Word of God. You just need to be alert to a lot of confusion in this area. Uh, there are even those that teach that if you worship on Sunday, you're not true Christians. And usually quoting some of the Old Testament scriptures dealing with Israel, dealing with the Old Testament law, and often adding to that teaching the Jewish dietary laws that would forbid the eating of certain meats and on and on. And they would apply the Jewish ceremonial laws uh, to you and I in order to gain access unto God. Uh, and then let me just uh, take this to some Christians who worship on Sunday. I believe that we get into trouble when we respond in a wrong way uh, to those teachings. Uh, there are those that teach and claim that since the resurrection is on Sunday, that the Sabbath is actually changed from Saturday to Sunday. And I think we get into trouble because we uh, don't deal with the truth of the Word of God. And so we've got to go to the, the Word of God. Now these uh, will teach that all Christians ought to observe Sunday as a day of rest, as a day of worship, just exactly as the Sabbath day worshipers teach. And I believe it's, again, a wrong interpretation of the meaning that Jesus has of the Sabbath. Now let me, let me just give uh, here an introduction, some thoughts here. You know, the Bible does not say that Christians today should observe the Sabbath as did the Jews under the Old Testament law. There's no teaching in the Word of God, no teaching, and we'll see that in a moment in the New Testament, that Christians observed the Sabbath as did the Jews of the Old Testament. Uh, the conflict that Jesus had with the scribes and Pharisees really helps us to illustrate this, and I would encourage you at some point as you read through the Gospels, you'll just notice the number of times there was a conflict with Jesus and the Pharisees over the Sabbath. We have two such cases right here, uh, but these are only two such cases out of a number of other cases or other times when there was a conflict between Jesus and the Jews or Jesus and the Pharisees over the Sabbath. Now, I want to go back. We did not read the scripture, but go back with me to Mark chapter 2. There's an important statement here uh, beginning in verse number 21. In Mark chapter 2, verse number 21, we read, No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment. Now, the old garment, if you have old pants 
and uh, those pants, you've taken them through the wash, uh, they already have shrunk a point, and you sew a new garment or a new piece of cloth on that old garment, and then you throw it into the wash. As that new garment then begins to shrink, it shreds and tears the old garment. So here's what he's saying, no man soweth a piece of new cloth and an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Now the old bottles, they're already uh, hardened and they're, they're already uh, without, uh, without give or take. And so you put the new wine into the old bottles. He said, else the new wine doth burst the bottles and the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles." Now, I believe what Jesus is doing, and in this context here, this is so very crucial, uh, Jesus is establishing a new covenant. Uh, the laws of the old covenant could never save. The laws of the old covenant reveal our sin. The laws of the old covenant could never give a new heart. The laws of the old covenant could never change a life. The laws of the old covenant could never give assurance of salvation. And they could not do so because we could never live up to God's perfect and holy standard. If salvation were dependent upon the laws of the old covenant, we would have to perfectly keep every law. And none of us could keep the law, and thus we could never have assurance and through the old law, we could never have peace with God. Uh, these laws were given to show us the need of the Savior. These laws were given to show us our guilt. Uh, these laws were given, as the book of Galatians expresses, to be a schoolmaster pointing the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe here what Jesus is expressing about the new garment sewed on the old garment and the new wine put into old bottles is just as John the Baptist had to decrease and Jesus would increase, the Old Testament law, the Old Testament covenant had to give way to the new covenant of grace. And you could not combine the old covenant and the new covenant together. Now what we are speaking of here, the Jewish ceremonial laws were simply pictures and types of the new covenant in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see some of that here this evening. Now I want to, to really start out, we have two examples here of the confrontation between Jesus Christ and the Pharisees concerning the ceremonial Sabbath. And uh, the Jews, the Pharisees approached Jesus uh, because he broke the Sabbath in their eyes and in their law. Uh, he broke the Sabbath, and so he's confronted by them on these two occasions. I believe on the second occasion, they actually set him up, and uh, they allowed this man with the withered hand to be there in the temple. They knew the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, and knowing that Jesus with compassion is this man that has healed many others, and here's this withered hand, and what is Jesus going to do? And so they've set him up here, on the Sabbath day there in the temple. And it's really interesting how Jesus responded to them. Now, I want to just take, and we're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight, so I want you to get your Bibles going. And first of all, let's examine the Old Testament Sabbath and the meaning 
of that Sabbath. If you go back with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 20, and we have here in the giving of the Ten Commandments this commandment concerning the Sabbath. And so Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 10. In Exodus 20, verse number 10, the Word of God reads, But the seventh day is the Sabbath. The seventh day is the Sabbath. Now if you back up to verse number 8, he said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work, all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord God, or the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, all that in them is, rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now that word Sabbath means the seventh or the seventh day. And in fact, in some languages, Sabbath and Saturday are interchangeable. They're interchangeable terms. Now, if you go back with me, you can see the reference back to Genesis chapter number 2. After the six days of creation, in Genesis chapter 2, we read in verse number 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Now, the word Sabbath also means rest or cessation. And here the Lord, on the seventh day, after creating everything in six days, the Bible says, he rested on the seventh day. It was a day of rest. Uh, it comes as a prize to many, but you realize in Old Testament law, uh, the, the day of rest, it, it, the Sabbath was a day of rest, but it was never a day of worship. Do you realize there's not a, a case in the Old Testament law where the Sabbath was uh, designated as a day of worship? It was designated as a day of rest. Now, we see the giving of the Sabbath um, in the Old Testament law. The Sabbath was given uh, to the Jews under Old Testament law. It was given to the nation of Israel. It was a part of the Jewish ceremonial law. Uh, like circumcision, God gave the law of circumcision to Abraham. And you can see this in Genesis chapter 17 as God instituted with Abraham, the law of circumcision. Uh, God instituted with the Jews uh, certain dietary laws. For example, Leviticus chapter 11, the Jews were forbidden to eat pork. They could not eat catfish or lobster or any of that good stuff. Okay, They were forbidden from eating those things by Jewish dietary law. I want to point out to you that the ceremonial law, and we're going to see a difference here in just a bit, but the ceremonial law and the moral law were two different things. Okay, this was not a part of moral law. Okay, moral law has been penned upon the heart of man. God has put moral law upon the conscience of man. Every culture that you will see understands it's wrong to kill. Thou shalt not kill. Every culture would understand it's wrong to commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 
Every culture would understand it's wrong to steal. That thou should not steal. Uh, every culture would understand that children ought to honor their parents. That's moral law. Uh, that's universal. God has placed that upon the heart of man. Now you understand that ceremonial law is not pinned upon the conscience. Uh, it's not pinned upon the conscience of man that we shouldn't eat pork or that we shouldn't eat lobster or that we shouldn't eat catfish. Okay, that's not pinned upon the heart of man. It's not pinned upon the heart of man observing the Sabbath. You see, this was ceremonial law given to the Jews. And the Sabbath, did you realize that the Sabbath was first made known to the Jews on Mount Sinai when the law was given? I want to show you the first time in the Bible that the word Sabbath is used. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. This is the very first time or the very first mention of the word Sabbath in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 16, if you understand the context, we're on Mount Sinai. God is here giving the law to his nation, to his people. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse number 23, we have this first mention of Sabbath. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord has said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and seed that you will seethe, and that which remaineth over it lay up for you to be kept until the morning. Now, I want you to, to look here in this. Uh, look back to verse 22. And it came to pass... That on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread to almost for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord had said, Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath. Verse number 24, And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today. For today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. He says, Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. Now read on in this passage of Scripture, and God makes this very clear. It came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for it to gather, and they found none. And so it's very evident this was new to them. Uh, this was a concept that they had never heard before. This is something they had never observed before because this law had never been given before until the mention of it here on Mount Sinai. And so they went out together and the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments, my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now turn forward to the book of Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. In Exodus chapter 31, verse number 12. Exodus 31, verse number 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto, this is important, always know the context of the Bible. Speak also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Who is he speaking to? 
to the children of Israel. That you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Okay, verse number 14 of Exodus 31. Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. I would just point out that those who would emphasize the Sabbath and go back to the Old Testament law to emphasize the Sabbath, then they would also need to keep that portion of the law. And anybody who would break that law would be the death penalty. You see, this was a law instituted, a ceremonial law between the children of Israel and God. Uh, verse 15, six days may work be done, but in the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, notice this, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now turn to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel the prophet speaks a similar thought. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse number 10. Ezekiel 20 verse number 10. God said, Wherefore, I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt, and I brought them into the wilderness. And here is what we just said a moment ago. God gave this law at, the, at Mount Sinai. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. Moreover also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them, but the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my Sabbath they greatly polluted. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. And God is expressing to him that they broke his law. And God was really establishing through the law that no man could keep the law. No man could earn his path to God through the law. Again, this was Jewish ceremonial law. It was similar to the Jewish dietary law. It was a sign. It was a covenant between God and the children of Israel. It was like the covenant of circumcision. It was a sign between the children of Israel and the Jews. Uh, then we go from the Old Testament Sabbath to the New Testament teaching on the Sabbath. It's going to blow your mind here. Do you realize there is not one single command in the New Testament to observe the Sabbath. I give you a challenge. Look it up for yourself. Not one single command in the New Testament to observe the Sabbath. Now remember, the moral law is universal. It's repeated constantly throughout the New Testament. We know thou shalt not murder. The Lord said if a man have hatred in his heart or anger in his heart toward his brother. It's as if he murdered his brother. Uh, we know that it is wrong to steal, and the Lord emphasized that in the, uh, in, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. 
Uh, we know that adultery is wrong. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, If a man looks upon a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. Uh, the Lord emphasized in Ephesians chapter 6 that children should obey their parents and the Lord, for this is right. And so every one of the moral laws is repeated in the New Testament, but not one time do you see that the observance of the Sabbath was emphasized. The ceremonial law was given to Israel. The ceremonial law was not repeated. Not once is the Sabbath breaking mentioned as a sin in the New Testament. You will never find uh, an example that Sabbath breaking in the New Testament is sinful. Uh, Jesus did not command his disciples to keep the Sabbath. You can read through the Gospels. And not one time did Jesus command his disciples to keep the Sabbath. He never taught anyone to keep the Sabbath. In fact, many of the confrontations between Jesus and the Pharisees had to do with Sabbath law. We pointed out in Mark chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, that the laws of fasting, uh, the laws of the Sabbath, they were part of the old covenant, and Jesus came to institute a new covenant. It was a new covenant of grace. It was not a covenant of law. You see, the problem is the Jews failed with the law as every one of us will fail with the law. They broke the law. They broke the commandments of God. They revealed their sinfulness in the breaking of the law. And by the way, every one of us has broken the law of God. Do you realize as you look to the writings of the apostles in the book of Acts, and you look to the writings of Paul the Apostle, and you go through the book of James and the book of Hebrews, and you go on uh, into the uh, book of First and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John, uh, not once did they teach that the Sabbath, uh, or to follow the Sabbath, nor the, the, to observe the Sabbath, not one time is it mentioned in those passages of Scripture. I want you to notice how the New Testament deals with the Sabbath and how it deals with other Jewish ceremonial laws. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 13. Colossians 2, verse number 13. Uh, this passage makes this so very clear. In Colossians 2, verse 13... And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore, look at verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which, and this is so crucial, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You go back to the book of Galatians and a very similar thought in chapter number 4. In fact, the book of Galatians deals with the Judaizers. 
And the Judaizers came along and they wanted the Gentiles to follow the Jewish Old Testament ceremonial law. Uh, the Judaizers taught that, that uh, Gentiles could not be saved except they followed the laws of circumcision, except they followed the laws of the Sabbath keeping, except they followed the dietary laws of the Jews. And so they would teach that, yes, uh, they could be saved by faith in Christ, but they added to that. And I would simply say, if man could be saved by the keeping of the law, then why did Jesus come? We could not. We failed miserably. So in Galatians chapter 4, in verse number 9, we read, but now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, wherein do you desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. What is he referring to? He's referring to those Sabbath days. He said, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. And you can see this thought throughout the book of Galatians. Really, it's a warning against the Judaizers who were trying to bring them back again under the bondage of the Jewish ceremonial law. Uh, again, requiring circumcision, forbidding the eating of meats, uh, the Sabbath bondage for salvation. Uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we can see the thought here again of the Jewish ceremonial law. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. The faith is what we believe. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with hot iron. Forbidding to marry. Commanding to abstain from meats. Which God had created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. And you'll find that many times those who emphasize the Sabbath worship will also emphasize the observance of other ceremonial law, such as the forbidding of the eating of meats. Now some have asked, uh, well, Pastor, why then do we worship on Sunday? I want to emphasize something here. Again, our Sunday is not the same as the Jewish Sabbath, okay, the day of rest. That's very important for you to understand. I think a lot of Christians become confused when they relate the Sunday to the Jewish Sabbath. It's not the Jewish Sabbath. See, Sunday is not the same. For them, a ceremonial law distinguished them. It separated them as a nation. To break that law was the death penalty. If you want to make Sunday the same as the Sabbath, then you don't observe the Sunday, we have to stone you. Okay, that would be the Old Testament law. We have New Testament examples of Sunday worship. Uh, the first day of the week was the Resurrection Day, and early Christians often met on this day of the week. If you'll go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 20, and verse number 7. In Acts chapter 20, and verse number 7. Acts 20, verse number 7, very clear. The apostles would meet. Uh, verse 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And so it's evident they met on that first day of the week, and here Paul preached, and there was the breaking of bread together. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we have another illustration. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 1. And it reads, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And so it's very evident they would collect and gather because they were worshiping here on that first day of the week. We go to the book of Revelation, chapter number 1. We have here the visions of John the Apostle. In Revelation chapter 1, verse number 10, here John makes this statement. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What's he referring to? This was the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, the resurrection day, and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet. Now, I would point out that often the early Christians would worship on Sunday. It was the resurrection day, and that's very clear in these scriptures of the Bible. But again, Sunday is not a legalistic Sabbath, okay? We have no command from God to abstain from labor on a certain day. Uh, though I do believe it's wise to set aside a day of rest and to have a time of rest. We have no command from God to worship on a given day of the week. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, they met daily in the temple and they met from house to house. It was a daily affair in the book of Acts chapter 2. See, what God has given us in the day of grace is we have voluntarily set aside Sunday as a day of worship. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And the Bible's expressing uh, we need one another. I, I'm going to blow your mind again with another statement. You know, I, I have no problem with somebody worshiping on Saturday. I have no problem with somebody worshiping on Sunday. I have no problem with somebody worshiping on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I have no problem with worshiping the Lord. When we worship, I'm going to be here. Because God has told me not forsaking, and it's a voluntary coming together to worship the Lord. Friend, God set me free. He saved me. He forgave me. I don't come to church on Sunday because if I don't come to church on Sunday, I'm going to be anathema and you're going to have to stone me and give me the death penalty. No, I come to church on Sunday because I love the Lord. And the Lord saved me and he gave me eternal life. And I want to come together in the assembling together of ourselves. I do have a problem with a legalistic declaration that you must observe the Sabbath to be saved. See, that's Old Testament law. I have no problem with worshiping on the Sabbath. I have a problem with the law that states to be saved, you have to do that. That's adding works to the covenant of grace. I have a problem with Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. That's not biblical. I have a problem with those that want to bring us under the bondage of the Jewish ceremonial laws. We've been set free. Jesus paid the debt. He paid it in full. There's nothing I can do or add to what Jesus already accomplished. He paid the price for me in full. It's not the keeping of laws that's going to get me to heaven. I already failed in the law. Uh, but it is the fact that Jesus has given to me his righteousness. You see, false salvation is a works salvation. Putting new cloth on an old garment, and it doesn't work. 
putting new wine in old bottles, and it doesn't work. Now, what is the true meaning of the Sabbath? Why did the Lord establish? I believe the Sabbath, as we read, was a shadow of things to come. Remember the word Sabbath means rest. And you know, ultimately, the Sabbath pictures our rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. What the Bible teaches is that Christ is our Sabbath. He is our rest. You see, I spent a lot of my life trying to work my way to heaven. I tried to be as good as I could do. But the harder I tried to do good, the worser I got. I failed the Lord. I could not keep the law. I would come to an altar and say, Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm never going to lie again. And five minutes later, I would tell another big fat lie. I couldn't keep the law. I couldn't be obedient. But I discovered one day that Jesus paid my debt. The going to heaven wasn't by my goodness or my ability, but it was his gift. And my rest came to be in Jesus Christ. My peace came not from my ability because the harder I tried, the worse I had peace in my heart. I didn't have peace. I knew that I was a filthy sinner and I did not have peace. And I would wonder, I'd go to bed at night and wonder if I die, will I go to heaven? Will I go to hell? And in my heart, I, I would cry out because I knew deep in the depths of my heart I deserved hell. But Jesus paid my debt. And I found my rest in the gift of salvation that Jesus gave to me. Let me show this to you in the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. In verse number 9, let me just read these verses here together. Hebrews 4, verse 9. It reads, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fail or fall after the same example of unbelief. I believe verse number 10 is speaking of the rest of salvation. He that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. A saved person does not depend upon their own works for salvation. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, verse number 5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing, regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so those that have come to Christ have ceased from their own works. They're dependent upon the works of Jesus Christ. So there's the rest of salvation. But if you look at verse number 9, and verse 11, we're speaking about the rest of heaven. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Verse 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. See, at the end of our lives, we will lay down our burdens and we'll enter into God's rests. 
He realized that when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise. We which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Do you know at that moment we'll be given a new body, a glorified body? Do you know at that moment we will never again sin? You'll never tell another lie. You will never again fail God. You will enter into his rest, into his heavenly kingdom, and lay your burdens down in that kingdom. That's why in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, God says, let no man judge you in the observance of holy days or Sabbath days, which are a shadow, a picture of things to come. What's he referring to? He's referring to Jesus, our Sabbath. Jesus, our rest. Listen, I don't want to be entangled again in the bondage of the law. I've been in bondage too long. I couldn't keep it. I couldn't be good enough for it. I found a rest in Jesus Christ. I found a peace that I could never find in my own works. I found that my salvation is not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. I don't want to ever go back to having to perform to earn my way to heaven because I fall short. I'm glad that Jesus already performed for me. Now that doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't change us. He says in Ephesians 2 verse number 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Here's the difference. Now the Lord lives in me. And now the Lord changes my heart. And now the Lord does through me what I could never do in my flesh. The Lord now begins to change my desires and give me the desire to want to serve him, to want to obey him. Not only does he give the desire, but he gives by his grace the power, the filling of his spirit and the presence of his spirit. And, uh, and by his grace, he tells us, be ye holy, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. He changes a life. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is not the work of the law. This is the work of grace in a heart and in a life. And so that Sabbath was a shadow, a picture of things to come. That's why many who follow these Old Testament laws, ceremonial laws, they have no peace. They have no assurance. I've known some that have to constantly be saved over and over again. Why? Because they're very aware of their sinfulness, of their shortcoming, as we all are. And so they will confess it, and now I'm saved, but then they'll fail, and now I'm lost, and they'll confess it, and now I'm saved, and they'll fail, and now I'm lost, and now I'm saved, and now I'm lost. No, he paid it all, and it's finished, and it's done through Jesus Christ. And so that's the gift, that's the Sabbath, that's the picture that God gives. Let's go to the Lord.